Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Takes a team of people to get me organised these days. Great to see you all. Welcome to those online. Thanks for coming out. Hungry for God? My favourite verse is, without him I can do nothing. I can't even pray without him. All I can do is make noise. I can't read the word without him. All I can do is read words, but with him I get revelation. There's nothing I can do without him that makes any sense or any impact. Line in that song, uh, Lord have your way in me. It's a great song, isn't it? Can I just say be careful what you ask for? I just looking back, I just can't believe the life that I've been led to walk through. And, um, you know, uh, I suppose one of the things he's teaching me to do is to laugh at adversity. Just whatever happens, you know, to come out better for it, the other side of it. I want to speak to us tonight. And, you know, I, I just sense, I, I believe within the depth of my being that this is a word for us today, it's current, it's something that's happening uh, right here and right now. And, uh, and just before I get into it, I, like I want to speak on, on the subject underground streams. I shortened that from the work of great Holy Spirit in the underground streams of our life. I just thought underground streams had summed it up. Do you know that the, the Amazon Valley is seven, let me get this right, seven million square kilometres. And it's the basin or the cradle of the mighty Amazon River that's 6,000 kilometres long. And normally, in normal seasons, it's between 3.2 and, and 9 kilometres wide, the river I'm talking about. And then when it gets into flood, it's about 50 kilometres wide. <clears throat> But years ago, they were drilling there and they discovered another river four kilometres beneath the Amazon. This goes the whole length of the Amazon and they named it after the man that discovered it and it's called the Rio Hamza. And it is 200 to 400 kilometres wide. And everybody, like with us, there's the surface of our lives, isn't there? But then there's what goes on underneath and where, you know, the, the, the deeps, if you want to call them, deeper, stronger, where the real business happens and where the real changes are made and where the, the, that's the place where we see things and know things and understand things. But just before we get there, can I say, um, I, I want to submit something to the Simpsons and to the Woodwards. Um, this church is already an epicentre for great things to happen in different nations around the world. There are moves of God in so many different places internationally. 
And I believe that God is saying that this church is going to become an epicentre for a great move of God in Australia. And if you want to know what's been happening since I arrived last Monday night, uh, I'll let you in on the conversations, some of them anyway, that have been held in the Woodward household. And I just want you to know that from the time I met Jeff at the airport up until arriving in the car here tonight and speaking to Terry Connell this morning, uh, these, these pastors, Jeff and Rhonda Woodward, are in awe of what God is doing in your lives. I listen a lot these days. You learn more when you listen. And they are in awe of your response to him and his working in you. And they are gripped with a new vision. It's just, I, I just call it the Kimberleys. But I know that this vision, this, the moment they talk about it, it's got the life of God all over it. And in order for something great to happen, because I, you know, every, every move of God has an epicentre, and I want to submit to the Simpsons and to the Woodwards that you draw closer to one another and that you form a strong... I don't know what this is going to look like. You can think about it and talk about it and do whatever you need to do about it. But the reason why I say that is because in Ephesians 2, God speaking through Paul, he says, I tell you what, I'll be the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, and you get the apostles and the prophets to be the foundation upon which the house of God is built. And it's like many churches, I think we've forgotten that this is the, the foundation, the undergirding, of what God wants to do. There it is, the foundation. And if we try and put any other foundation in that God has ordained for us to put in, we're in trouble. We will wonder why, forever we will wonder why the average sized church in Australia is between 45 and 50. And why the average sized church in America, in America is between 60 and 70. Because oftentimes we, we've, we've tried to build on something other and what Jesus said to. And I want to submit that to you. It's not a prophecy. It's not a thus saith the Lord or anything like that. You're big boys and girls. You, you know how to deal with things like this. But I believe that union. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me this afternoon that that, that, that bond, that, that, that increasing strength um, will be the, one of the reasons why great things can be built on top of it. Anyway, I submit it to you, and, uh, and there we go. Let's get on with what, I'm gonna, what I want to share with you. Let me share a verse with you about the underground streams. Here it is from Romans 8, 26. Is it up on the screen behind me? Why don't we read it out together, all together? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us for us too deep for words. I'm not talking tonight about prayers that we instigate. 
I'm talking about prayers that he initiates. A move of God where something happens. And, you know, my mantra in life is I learn. I, I know I can't be any kind of a teacher unless I'm a better learner. And so I'm hungry. I'm a voracious learner. And so I go into the presence of God and read books and talk to great people all the time and I ask questions until gold comes into my life. And here we see that, I mean, isn't this the starting point for most of our prayers? We don't know what to pray. <laughs> I don't know what to pray. And, and good old God, I hope he's okay with that, but he does get around in a wheelchair. So, <laughs> Ezekiel, just in case you thought I was being flippant. But our great God uh, is a person who wants to drill down into the underground streams of our life and begin to work things in prayer, not prayers that we pray to the best of our human ability, prayers that he gets involved with and stretches us in the most unusual ways and gives birth to things. I'm talking about prayers that are pregnancies. <laughs> Let's have a look at something that happened in Jesus' underground river. He had an underground river. And let me just preface this by saying, do you remember that Jesus said of himself, I can do nothing unless the Father shows me. And so just like he couldn't do anything without the Father, we can't do anything without him. We're so dependent and so gloriously dependent. And so I want to pull out the passage from John 11 where Jesus is, uh, has been asked to come to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And do you remember, he's somewhere, he's at least six or seven days travel away from where their home is on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives. Bethany was on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives. Jerusalem was on the western slopes of the Mount of Olives. And, and do you remember that when he was asked to come because Lazarus, your friend, is ill, uh, he said, yeah, OK, but let's just wait for another couple of days. And so, you know, he waited for a couple of days and then he said, now let's go. Now, why did he do that? Well, because he saw that's what he had to do, he's a man of prayer. He knew that was the plan. But something began to happen in him uh, right at the time when he heard that Lazarus was sick. And it's not when he got to Bethany that's the issue, it's how he got to, to Bethany. And so here's Jesus finally getting to Bethany when Lazarus has been dead. The funerals occurred and Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Martha comes out, you know, there are no filters on a grieving person. If you'd have been here earlier, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus weathers that storm. And then Mary, he finds Mary. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And so here we are at John 11.33, and it says this, and this is, this is how he came. When Jesus saw her, that is Mary, weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved in his spirit. Now that word deeply moved means to snort with anger. Something like six or seven days before, something had begun to stir on the inside of Jesus. It's a weight. I'll I'll get into it more later. But by the time he turned up to Bethany, you would not have wanted to get in the way of this man. He snorts with anger. And then it says on top of that, and he was greatly troubled. And this, that word greatly troubled means to stir or to agitate. It actually means to roil water, R-O-I-L, water. Have you ever put water on the stove and it's boiled in a pot and after a while it's spitting and it's turning over and over and over? That's what it means for water to roil and that's what was happening in Jesus the day that he turned up to Bethany. When, when, a, when somebody wants to do something great and the Holy Spirit has been stirring in their heart and showing them what to do, I can promise you that intercession always moves the intercessor before it moves the person or the situation. And so there's Jesus turning up. His, the, his, the, the, his peace of mind is disturbed. He's in the middle of inward commotion. And then he speaks. Now, I wonder, I, I honestly wonder how he would have spoken. You know, like, where, oh, where have you laid him? It sounds like such an innocuous, harmless question. But here's a guy that's snorting with anger and, and roiling like boiling water. Like, I don't know whether I could do it justice. Where have you laid him? I, I don't know how, uh, he would not, he, he was uncontainable at this point. And, and in the middle of it, then it says Jesus wept and everybody that I've heard preach this says, oh, isn't that lovely? Jesus is weeping with sympathy. Look, I've been through about 12 seasons of grief and I can promise you that a drop of sympathy is all right, but I need strength at times like that. I need to get through that thing. I need to get out the other side and I need to be stronger on the other side than, the, than when I went in to that situation. And so Jesus is weeping. What kind of tears do you think they were that Jesus wept there? They, they couldn't have been anything other than hot tears of anger. And so then, if that's not bad enough, then he says, you know, let's go to the tomb. And it says, deeply moved again, snorting with anger again. And so, you know, when he said, Lazarus, come out, you know, was he just kind of standing there all holy and nice? Lazarus, come out. I think he would have bellowed into that black hole. Lazarus! Come out! Like everything within him had been stirred for six or seven days. He knew he was going to raise somebody from the dead who'd been dead for four days. How do you think he turned up that particular day? Isn't that an amazing thought? There is a violence about intercession. If you want to think about the intercession that great Holy Spirit uh, initiates, you've got to think of a volcano. The word implies a build-up of intense pressure. 
It, in, it implies an eruption from a deep place. It implies a release of destructive power. And when I've been through things like this, I want to share a couple of examples with you. Oftentimes, and, and some of you, you're, you're going to identify with this because some of you, you've been criticising yourself for some of the emotions and the attitudes that go on in your life. Oftentimes when the Holy Spirit's, and look, it's taken me years to learn this, because most time I'm so, so busy feeling out of sorts with everything and everybody that, um, uh, that I just think I'm being ungodly, fleshly. You know, like, how could, you're a Christian for goodness sake. But when it starts with me, I now am starting to get used to it. You just start to feel out of sorts and then you can feel agitated. Then you can start to feel a, bit, a, 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 a little bit obsessive about things. Frustration, worried, judgmental, critical. It's like you can find fault with every person, everything and every church on the planet. You can be exasperated because, there, because there's no answer to the thing that's, that you're concerned about. And anger. You know, like, I'm choleric, but these days I'm a really mellowed choleric and I think of myself as a really nice guy. <laughs> but when this happens, no more Mr. Nice Guy. And at the beginning of it, still today, it, it takes me a little, it takes me less time now but I rarely, it rarely occurs to me that what's happening in me is prayer. Is this helping anybody? <laughs> Thank you. Let me give you some examples. After my first wife passed away, her name was Marilyn in 2003, I did the normal thing and after about 18 months I'd ask God all the hard questions like, where were you when I needed you? How could you allow this to happen to me? You could have stopped it and you didn't. You know, all the, the typical questions, you know, because she was only 52, I think. Um, and, and so I went through all of that and then I thought after a while, you know, it's not good for a man to be alone. So I, I got to the marrying stage again and I was about 56 or somewhere around that and still young and strong and, you know, probably a little bit better looking than I am now. And, and so I asked the Lord, I, I, I put my request down before the kingdom of God. I said, Lord, it'd be lovely if you could give me, you know, somebody that doesn't have a lot of baggage. Because my wife's gone home, she's happy, I'm left, so there still must be something for me to do. So I really don't want to be, have all my time and energy consumed with looking after just one... Anyway, so, so Tula comes along. She's had a divorce, and I know nothing about divorce. never had one, but, and I didn't know what divorce or the damage it does, the pain it creates. I know some of you have been through these things, but I, didn't, I had never been up close and personal with divorce until this, this time, until I had two kids and a pretty cranky ex and the pain that was manifesting in a kid's lives. And so I went back to the Lord because I'd gotten fairly interested in Tula 
And uh, I said, Father, I, I thought I asked you for somebody without any baggage. <laughs> I know. I said, have you seen these kids? <laughs> he asked me one question, clearly as I've heard God ever say anything, he said, what would I do? That was the end of the conversation because I knew he would want to rescue those kids. He would want to save them. But I had no idea what was to come. Let me pull out one of them that I've had great success with. His, her eldest, his, his name is Ariel. And uh, initially, I really liked him. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? But it got to a stage, he lived with us for quite a while, where I couldn't, I, I didn't know how to get him out of my life. He was lazy, he was um, difficult to live with, he, uh, it, I couldn't tell you all the adjectives that I used to describe how bad this kid was. I want to tell you that today I'm like a dad to him. And he's like a son to me. And we meet regularly and love each other's company. But in those days I had no idea that marrying Tula would set off a chain reaction of events and God would go to work in this man's heart in the underground streams of his, of his life. You know, like, if, if all that sounds great. Oh, you know, on the last great day of the feast. You know, streams of living water will flow out of your bellies. And have you ever noticed how painful those streams are some days? And, and it was, yeah, this wasn't just for a month. This was for about three years. And the, the my goodness, I, I cannot describe to you the anxiety and the depression and the anger that I went through. But now when I look at all the things that accompany intercession that he inspires in a person's life to shake off and break the chains that are around somebody else's life, I just, you know, I'm gobsmacked. So it was a wild introduction to a wonderful marriage. I believe, by the way, these examples are going to really speak to some people in this room because some of you probably, you may be thinking you even hate your stepchildren. <laughs> you probably don't because you're probably, you've got to remind yourself some days that you're just a really nice person. You don't hate anybody. So why do I feel like I hate them? <laughs> try this, try this other one. It's, it's, one of my first churches was a church in Port Macquarie on the East Coast. By the way, I feel like I'm a member of this church. I'm online with it so often. Um, uh, but over there, uh, I, I went to that town or city and I so wanted to, to you know, I, I, I had told the kingdom of darkness I was going to destroy it and I was going to build a church for Jesus Christ. <laughs> I probably said it like that too, thinking how stupid it sounded now. But anyway, so, and I spent ages loving that place, but every time I deliberately and intentionally prayed and set my love on that city and the people and the, all the people in the Hastings Valley, 
I would come out of it thinking, I don't love this place enough. And probably nobody else loved the Hastings Valley more than I did because I was trying to love it with the love of God. And yet I never felt that I loved it enough. So one day I said to the church, look, there are some, there's some rodeo grounds right up at the headwaters of the Hastings River in, um, at Rowlands Plains. I'm going up there to fast and pray, <coughs> fast and pray for a weekend, excuse me, If anybody wants to join me, you can. And I was surprised how many men came with me. And so we went up on a Friday, uh, a Friday night, Friday afternoon, put up our caravans and our tents. And it's really interesting praying and, and you don't know what, you, what you're getting. Or, you know, we just wanted God to move. And so we had no, you know, there was nothing really to fasten, there was no outcome to fasten ourselves to. And so this is what we did. We sang, we prayed, we knelt, we stood, we sat, we read, we sang some more, we shared the word, we preached, we did everything we could. And I'm feeling nothing all Friday night. And so after a while I said, well, it's bedtime. I thought God must be going to move on Saturday. So... (laughs) Maybe he's a Seventh-day Adventist. <laughs> oh, you naughty man. So anyway, we got up early on Saturday morning and, of course, we're fasting, we're not eating. And so we prayed, we read the word, we sang, we worshipped, we knelt, we stood, we went alone, we came together. This went on all morning till about what would have been lunchtime. And I'm thinking... Nothing's happening. You know, we came up here to seek God, that he would baptise us in his love for the Hastings Valley. You know, there's something about the anointing. It's unseen and it's unfelt until it is seen and felt. (laughs) And I thought mistakenly that God wasn't doing anything. And so we we got through to about four o'clock in the afternoon and I was so cranky by then did, did you see all those adjectives I used before about I was so cranky, I was so exasperated, I was so and and this is what I said, well a fat lot of good this is doing, I'm going home and so, so I said pack up your tents and caravans, we're going home. I had a problem because I needed to preach the, the, the next morning in church. So I got home and my wife Marilyn said to me, um, how did it go? I said, don't ask me that. I said, I've got to get my attitude right for tomorrow morning. So I did my best and I kind of pulled myself together and Uh, the next morning, got to church and through the worship, a tennis ball, an emotion the size of a tennis ball, it felt like that, started to form in my throat. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to preach. And I'm starting blinking back tears. And then it was my turn to get up and, and behind the pulpit and share a message. And, you know, all that would come to me were the words that Evan Roberts, uh, cried out at night time, like he, remember the Welsh revival in the early 1900s? He was evicted 
from the boarding homes that he stayed in uh, because during the night he'd be singing out, my beloved Wales, my beloved Wales, my beloved Wales. And, and uh, that's all that would come out of my mouth that morning. My beloved Hastings Valley, my beloved... Ha- and then the deeps broke within me. Strangest message my church over there had ever heard or seen me preach. I just fell to the ground with sobs for about 20 minutes. All the men came out and they didn't know what to do with me. They kind of laid hands on me and some tried to prophesy and some tried to pray, but the work was being done by great Holy Spirit. Are you getting the gist of this? We're talking about the underground streams where God Almighty... Here, listen to this. When you start to pray like that, you are are touched with the passion with which Jesus prayed for the world. Those of you that are married, you don't want to love you can't feel. And Jesus didn't have a, a, a passion and a zeal that he didn't feel. And how many times are our prayers just so, oh, going through the motions? But watch it because, you know, you don't set your heart on intercession. You just set your heart on Jesus. And if you live long enough, this stuff happens. He's going to move in our life in a great way. Some of the things I've learned over the years is this. Intercession causes the underground streams of prayer to push their way to the surface. The discomfort of intercession is the soil where vision germinates. Intercession is the same wrestle that God had with Jacob. It is a difficult pregnancy with an amazing result. But I like this one. Intercession is like crucifixion. It feels like you have been nailed to his objective and you are bleeding for it in your inner man. It's it's a very intense experience and it can go for... A long time or a short time, that's not the point. He's the one doing the praying. You're just the, the receptacle and the, you're the person in agreement with him. And sometimes you've got no idea what you're agreeing with him about <clears throat> until it happens. And, and incidentally, if you didn't know, since Jesus rose from the dead, intercession is his full-time job. Have a look at Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. And I've got a question for us all tonight. If the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, how much more violent will the Holy Spirit make his church? I'll ask you that again. If the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, how much more violent will the Holy Spirit make the church? We're talking about a heavenly violence that occurs in the underground streams of our life. See, I hope you're putting this together with the fact that, that you are like an epicentre. You are people, you and I, we're the people God is raising up to see a nation turn to Christ. Let me give you one more example before I'm finished. We had a beautiful young couple in our church, uh, Daryl and Demi. Um, they, were, they were pastors. And um, uh, is that how many minutes I've done? Great, I'm almost done. 
So uh, Daryl, he was a beautiful West Indian Englishman, you know, and, and Demi was just a really white-skinned uh, Anglo-Saxon. They had the most beautiful cappuccino babies. And, uh, but Demi, in her first pregnancy, hadn't experienced one day when she didn't feel sick through a pregnancy. And at this stage, I hadn't been asked to do anything in the church and uh, it annoyed me intensely because we weren't seeing the power of God flowing like it should. And uh, this particular night during Demi's second pregnancy, she's about four months into her pregnancy, she'd been sick for the, for the three or four months that, up until that point. And there was a prayer meeting on which I went to against my better judgment. I'm sorry if that sounds really ungodly because, you know, some prayer meetings you go to teach you that prayer doesn't work. I don't want you to go to prayer meetings like that. I don't want to go to prayer meetings like that. But I went along anyway. And because the pastors were at home sick, Daryl was sick and Demi was sick. And so they'd given four people 15 minutes each. And it went downhill from the first minute. And by the end of about, oh, I don't know, 55 minutes, the person that was leading the prayer meeting saw me on the other side of the room. Now, I've had two cataract operations, so when they were waving the microphone at me, I wasn't quite sure who she was waving the microphone at, but it was me. Anyway, they made a beeline for me right across the room, and this poor girl who realised that the prayer meeting had been a total disaster thrust the microphone at me and said, Have you got anything? <laughs> Did I have something? I felt like Jesus who'd arrived at Bethany for the raising of Lazarus. I, you don't know how stirred I was. I had to endure about 55 minutes of death. And this is what I did. I had no idea what I was going to do because I was totally unprepared. I like to be prepared, but I was unprepared. You know what I did? I reefed the microphone out of a hand. <laughs> And I strode to the middle of the place and I was wondering what on earth was going to come out of my mouth. And when I stood there, out of my mouth came this. Is anybody sick and tired of their pastors being used as a punching bag by the kingdom of darkness? You've got no idea, you know, when prayer meetings are boring, this is what Christians do. They try to keep godly but they're so bored they sit down or they lie on the floor prostrating themselves before God. Really all they're doing is sleeping. They're, they're, they're giving you a message that this prayer meeting is, uh, you know, a waste of space and time. Well, when I grabbed the microphone and jumped into the middle and, and challenged every demon in hell, you should have seen them jump up. Suddenly they weren't so sleepy anymore. They jumped to their feet and they're thinking, what on earth is happening here? So I said it again. Is anybody sick and tired of their pastors being picked on by demons and, and, and uh, you know, the whole sickness thing? Is anybody sick of it? And I said, listen, the word teaches that you can send your word like, like God sent his word. You can send his word and his word will heal people. And uh, I said, what word would you send to Daryl and Demi at their address? 
over there, uh, a couple of suburbs away. What word would... Well, some of them immediately thought of a verse. And, you know, like... Um, oh, anyway. <laughs> I can't think of one right at the moment. But, anyway. but they came up with these verses, you know, no word formed against me will prosper, but... Oh, maybe that's not a good one. Anyway. <laughs> you know... The, and they started to think of verses and these verses started to come and they began to send them and send them and send them and here am I consumed with this intercession. You know, the, the anger of intercession because the underground streams of my, my belly had been put to work in this instance. The next day, Daryl was totally healed. Demi started to be healed and within three days she was totally healed and didn't experience another day's sickness all the way through her pregnancy. It's worth surrendering to God. What, was the, what were the words in that song again? Lord, have your way in me. Isn't it wonderful that we belong to a God who doesn't play games with people's lives, that sees and knows and understands and this is the way that he worked. If that's the way he worked through Jesus, this will be the way that he works through us. My question to you tonight is, while I've been sharing for a few brief moments with you, what has great Holy Spirit been saying to you? We all know, any preacher who knows anything about preaching knows that people don't come to listen to him or her. People come to hear from God. And he can tell you one thing of great importance in a message that's anointed. And you'll go home with what God said to you. And I'm asking you tonight, what is it that great Holy Spirit has been saying to you as we've been sharing, as we've been sitting? Come on, let's stand to our feet for a second. Now, wouldn't it be good if we had the worship team and some music behind us? Because, you know, I've got to say, Vicky, last night, you just so blessed me. And, you know, we so appreciate the individuality and the, the power with which you minister. And I just sense tonight it's a little different in ministry. It's time to put it back to you. What is he saying to you? And what will your response be to him? How is he moving in the underground streams of your life? I mean, for some of you, this could have turned the lights on for what you're experiencing right now. For others of you, you could be saying, well, okay, I'm going to surrender again to God and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, I make myself available. You know that silly stuff where some people say, oh, God's a gentleman, he'll never do anything in your life that, without your permission? I've never heard of such rubbish. You know, one day I made the, the wonderful, glorious mistake of saying, Jesus, take my life. Here I am. Use it however you will. Well, that was the end of it for God. He just believes that I'm his now and he can do anything he wants with me or in me or through me. He never, he never asks my permission now. He initiates. I go for the journey. I wonder why I'm half mental while I'm on the journey. And then I look at the results and I think, oh, that was good, wasn't it?
And I learned, I learned what he was doing after the thing. Let's raise our hands to him. Great Holy Spirit, we know you're here. But come to every individual in this room. Move so powerfully on their lives, in their hearts. Holy Spirit, we surrender again. If I can be bold enough to pray on behalf of all of us. We recognise we've got one very short little life. What better could we do with it than come to you and surrender and say, have your way. Have your way. Father, that this church would have a sound or a river of intercession flowing from it corporately and flowing from it individually, flowing from, from families and, and, and flowing from those who are single like myself. All we know is that life is a waste of time if you're not at the centre and you haven't got this river of life flowing through us and, and, and creating change and breaking bonds and shackles and chains, setting people free bringing miracles and freedom and life and health to people's lives, bringing a supernatural recovery and blessing to those who have lost but are bouncing back to a higher, a higher height. Lord Jesus, we so thank you and we're so honoured that you are our King and our God. We give you our hearts all over again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for what you are speaking to each one of us. We thank you, Lord, for the things that sometimes are so deep, they're beyond our ability to be able to express them. We thank you, Lord, that you don't just work at the level of our thoughts or our conversation you are able to go so much deeper than that. We're grateful for that. Lord, I pray tonight for anybody here or anyone who's in the service online with us, either now or later, who recognises right now that they haven't had a starting point with you. They're like someone watching and looking in through a window and saying, I wish I had that. I wish I had that relationship. I wish God was that real to me. If that's you tonight, then I want to encourage you that Jesus is waiting for you to give Him your yes. Just right where you are right now, every, every single one of us can have that moment. Most of us here have had that moment that was so simple to do, but so profound in what it caused to take place in our life. For most of us, it was simply saying, Jesus, I recognise I need You. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm asking for Your forgiveness. I want You to come into my life, not to be at arm's length for me. I want You in my life. I want to walk with You. I want to know You. I don't want this to be the end. I want this to be the beginning. I'm asking You, Jesus, to 
start taking control of my life and lead me from this day on for whatever Your great plan for my life is. Father, we thank You for those that are sensing You saying that to them tonight, right now in this service. I pray, God, that this will be the beginning of a profound walk with You. Not even a profound walk into a church building or into a church organisation, but one where they start knowing You and walking with You. Thank You for that, Lord. In Jesus' Name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, if what I was saying was echoing within you, why don't you send us your yes? And please hear me. We developed this because we wanted to be able to reach people who could not even come to the building or people who came to the building and were cautious or people who came to the building and said, how do I get more than just a moment in a service? So we started this thing called Yes Text. If you text yes, why yes? to the number up there on the screen, 0488 826392. If you're outside of Australia or you'd like to get our help via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. The people that will respond to you, they're actually here in the service. And the day after you do it, seven o'clock in the morning, our time, they'll send you a Bible verse. They'll send you a prayer. All fits on one screen of a smartphone. And it'll start being a, a help for you every day to walk with God. Because as you've heard from David tonight in that powerful message, God's not interested in just getting you to sign up. He's got something far better and something far more profound for you than that. I'd love you to send us your yes. I promise you we'll never spam you. We'll never write and ask you for anything. We will help you and we will pray for you. 0488 826 392 or yes.metrochurch.org.au Send it through to us. You can do it now, you can do it anytime, day or night. We all get it and we will respond to you. One more thing I want to say before we, as I said we would, we'll dismiss this part of the service. Those of you that want to remain for a while uh, for God just to continue to touch you or because you just feel like I want to cement that then please stay we understand though if you do have to go every single one of the night services we are giving the offering as a love offering to our two guests to Pastor David to Vicky and uh, it's our church's custom this is what we do we don't just pat them on the back and say thank you for coming and applaud them we want to be a part of what God has for them and their next. I was thinking about this afternoon and thinking how, for me, I actually love love offerings. I mean, I love it. The money doesn't come to our church. Well, it does, but we send it all, every cent to them. But I love it because I love the fact that they're going to go places I'm never going to go. And sometimes they're going to go places I don't want to go. I guess that's part of it. But it's also the fact that I don't have their gift and I don't have their call, and, but I can be a part of their gift and a part of their call. And I guess that's why Rhonda and I have always been a part. We are talking about before what we're going to invest in the love offering. So if you're doing that, you go to the Connect Hub or you can use the app or the website. Just make sure you tell them at the Connect Hub or on the app or the website. Just tell them it's love offering and they will make sure it all goes and we will do that as soon as we can 
to be a blessing to them wherever God has them to go in Jesus' Name. David, again, you know, I've known you a long time, but I was sitting back this side stage laughing at a whole lot of stuff and being moved by a whole lot of stuff. But then thinking, you know, I said to you last night, God's got a hold of the, the finish line. You know, you and I don't set it. We can look at a calendar. We can look at the number of birthdays. We can look back and see what's happened. But God goes, I'm the only one who's got the tape for your finish line. And I think there's much great work for you to do beyond this place and beyond this day. And that message that you shared tonight, how inspiring is that? Because I think that is one of the things every Christian is hungering for. Tell me that my life can do something greater. Tell me that what I'm a part of has eternity meshed in with it. And that's what you brought to us tonight. So thank you for that. And can we pray for David? Father, we thank you for David and for the pain that he's walked through to teach us how to live higher and better and stronger. I thank you for the things, Lord, where his openness and honesty tonight have spoken to all of us. So we know, Lord, that we're not some crazy Christian. We're just another one of your children who's trying to grow and wants to learn. So Father, I pray for David tonight in Jesus' Name. I pray for his future. I pray for the books he's yet to write, for the podcast he's yet to host, for the things that will take him to other parts of the world, to those that are hungry for more. I thank You, Lord, for what You've done. I thank You for the coaching that He's done for so many people personally. It's been a great interim thing, but Lord, You're about to relaunch Him back out into a far greater area, into a far greater zone than He's been. It's almost, David, like the Lord has kept you in the sheepfold, so to speak. He's kept you boundaried with a fence around about you and you have loved it and He's nurtured you and restored you and done so much, but He's been digging deep and equipping you because there's a bigger horizon and a bigger space to go to. Father, we thank You for that in Jesus' mighty Name. Father, I pray for everyone that's giving in a part of the love offering last night, tonight, tomorrow night. Thank You, Lord, for the blessing on their home and on their business, whether they own it or serve in it, for blessing them as they sow into one of Your people, one of Your leaders, one of Your representatives. I pray the blessing will come back for them in Jesus' Name. Amen. 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 Don't forget that tomorrow morning, if you don't have your own church, of course, if you do, you should be there. But uh, you're welcome here at 9.30 in the morning. And then tomorrow night is at five, not seven. If you come at seven, we're just hooting and hollering by seven, all right? We're, we're going to be jumping by seven. And uh, so that'll be just an awesome thing. We're going to sing the other worship song. And then, oh, if you've got to go, please understand, you can go. That's okay. We're good. I, I believe there's many of you, though, that just want to stay for a little bit longer because you want to do something about what you've heard tonight and you want to say, Lord, I'm, I'm signing up for what for this. I'm signing up for what you want to speak into my life. I'm signing up to give you permission for that. And so as we sing together this song, if that's you, I want you just to come stand across the front here. We may pray with you or maybe you're just going to come here and say, God, I'm here for you. Why don't you do that tonight if you want to say that many of you I know 
that's what your your response is. God, I, I feel like that spoke to me and I'm signing up for it in Jesus' Name. Thanks, team. Let's worship the Lord together for a minute. Come on, here we go. You give life, you are love, you bring life to the darkness, you give hope, Come on. you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you. Maybe he's on broadcast, is he? He's in the studio. Gabby, are you listening to me in the studio? Come on up here, Gabby. Whatever you're doing down there, just put it on autopilot. Come on up, we want to pray for you. Again, if you'd like to come, some of you, you don't have to. Uh, but if you if you want to, if you feel like, you know, some of you, maybe you've been Christians for like forever. But you know God's speaking to you. Why don't you... Just come and stand before Him and say, Lord, I'm here for it. I'm signing up. Why don't you do that? Thank you. Thank you if you want to come. Thanks for coming. It's just wonderful. We can just have a few moments like that. Just allow the Holy Spirit. We never came here with a big agenda. We literally came for being strong. Come on, get Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's your breath. Amen. No, Gabby, I'll see the Lord just There's been a
that that word tonight will not just be something we hear you know you know when you hear something like that and you you know you've heard a lot of sermons and a lot of messages a lot of preaching and then there are some that you've hear like that you go there an announcement of what God is doing and going to keep on doing they're not a, a message you get just to hear but it's like God's just going I'm going to keep that happening So, Father, we thank You for what You will keep working out in our life. In Jesus' Name, we pray for this entire weekend, Lord. Our our prayer has always been that it would be more than a moment in a month, but it would be a river that starts to flow. In Jesus' Name, Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being a part of Easter Saturday night of Deeper Stronger. Thank you again to our team. I see Dale out there. I've been working with the children. God bless you. Don't forget tomorrow morning, 9.30. Now tomorrow night, by the way, we're having communion. You know, I know it's Easter and we couldn't think of a better, better thing to finish off a great weekend than to celebrate communion together which is what we're going to do. So it'll be an awesome night tomorrow night. And uh, Vicky, we're so looking forward to whatever's coming up. Uh, I just want you to know, I've got my holler and my hoot ready, all right? It's going to be awesome. Five o'clock. Thank you so much. God bless you. And let me, let me just pray again. Father, I pray there won't be one person who's in this service who'll go home saying, I never got it. Lord, whether it's tonight while they're asleep, they wake up in the morning saying something shifted. Whether it's this week, but God, whatever it is, we know that you are at work. You've got a plan you're working to. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Lord, now let us go with blessing. Let us go with peace and rest for our sleep in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Thank you so much. God bless.